This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What's up, everybody? This is Adam Frommel, Andy Bailey, and Dan Favale here with the first episode of our new podcast, Hardwood Knocks. We're going to be bringing you some irreverent humor, some basketball analysis mixed in, and really whatever comes to the top of our minds. These are entirely unscripted. We're going to have a basic outline of where we want to go with these topics and just see where it takes us. So strap in and enjoy the ride. For this first podcast, we're going to be talking about last year's surprise team in the Eastern Conference, the Atlanta Hawks. They pretty much came out of nowhere and then had a perfect month of January, went on to earn the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. Can they repeat that? Can they come anywhere close to repeating that? Dan, take it away. Is anyone else super concerned that they lost Damari Carroll? I know they have a bunch of wings still, and you know you pick up Tim Hardaway Jr. and maybe Baysmore might be ready to make some sort of a leap. And I definitely think they made the right choice because you can only, you only could have kept one of skydiving. This is amazing. Yeah, but you know what else is amazing? An iPhone 6S for just 49 bucks at Metro. Really? Imagine streaming all the way down with that amazing camera. I'm switching. That's smart. You know what else is smart? Parachutes. Woo! Switch to Metro and get an amazing iPhone 6S for only 49 bucks. Metro by T-Mobile. Phone offer requires port in of number not currently active on T-Mobile network or active on Metro in past 90 days. See store for details and terms and conditions. Paul Millsap and Damari Carroll. And in theory, Paul Millsap is more irreplaceable than Damari Carroll. But Damari Carroll led them in win shares during the playoffs. Like, I'm just concerned that they had to give up such a key piece like that. And I sort of wonder if the combination of Tabo Cephalosha and Tim Hardaway Jr. and Kent Bazemore is really going to give them enough on the perimeter this season. Am I just crazy? I, no, I don't think you're crazy. Um, but at the same time, you kind of look at uh, what Damari Carroll was before he got to Budenholzer and to the Hawks. Um, not to discount his season because, you know, obviously it was really good. Like you said, he let him in win shares. Um, but this is a system and this is a coach that's proven capable of making more of a guy than maybe he was before. And so a couple of the names you mentioned, like Baysmore, um, who's already been in the system, Tim Hardaway, who has some talent but wasn't in a good system. No offense to our Knicks <laughs> fan there, um, Dan. But anyway, like like I was saying, Damari Carroll, he was solid before he got to the Hawks, but he, he gets to a new level with this coach and this system. So I think they, they can find that next guy. Well, this, this will sort of be a test of that system again on, on the Hawks side. I know we called them the Spurs of the East pretty much last season, and they certainly look like you can throw someone in that system and succeed. But this is sort of their first test because we've seen the Spurs you know replace guys or bring in these nobodies and really turn their careers around and now that's sort of what the Hawks need to do and Tim Hardaway Jr. might be that perfect experiment because he regressed in his sophomore season so now you plug him in there and you see if he can become that three and D guy or maybe move the ball a little bit more because of that system. 
And even beyond Hardaway, I mean, we have to mention Justin Holiday, who looked pretty good in short spurts for the Warriors last year. And he's another guy who, like Carroll, might just explode as soon as Budenholzer gets his hands on him. I mean, he shot 32% from deep last year, which isn't great, but at least he, he showed some ability to connect from downtown. He plays good defense. That's why he earned minutes in the rotation. So he's, he's pretty much everything that Budenholzer wants in a developmental wing who could eventually replace Carroll. It's not going to be seamless, but I'm not sure it's going to have to be because they did keep that front court together and it got even stronger. I mean, in addition to bringing Millsap back, they traded basically nothing for Tiago's splitter and they're bringing in Walter Tavares from overseas who could make an immediate impact as well. And I, I think splitter's definitely an upgrade over Antich, um, who's a stretch big that I don't even, I don't even know if he stretches the floor. I, I know he shot below league average, um, from the three-point line, and that's really about all he did was just kind of go out there and shoot. Splitter gives you passing, gives you rebounding, gives you defense. He, he doesn't necessarily spread the floor, but he does a lot of other things. Yeah, I mean, I think my favorite thing about this new Hawks front court is how completely interchangeable it is. I mean, we're, we're now like firmly in the era of positionless basketball, and which two big men can't play together? I mean, unless you're going to try and put Tavares and Splitter out together, which I don't think they would ever do, Horford can shift over to the four. They can go small ball and have Millsap at the five. I mean, everybody in this rotation can play together, and that's a luxury that a lot of teams aren't going to have. Yeah, and that's huge for them. They'll need to cater a little bit like to Splitter because you have to. I don't know if Splitter and Horford could really play together. Hoffer did showcase some three-point range, and he's a great passer, so I'm actually talking myself into the fact that they can. But you sort of look at that three-man rotation right there between Millsap, Splitter, and Hofford, and even if you just look at Millsap and Hofford, do the Hawks have the best defensive front court tandem in the Eastern Conference now? I mean, what other team is going to match them? I just, I'm, I'm trying to think right now at the top of my head. Maybe the Bulls, if Joe Kim Noah gets healthy, but that's assuming that they're going to start or play Taj Gibson a lot. And he, Taj Gibson isn't going to be a starter on that team anyway. So you look at this Hawks team, and their offense is going to be really good. They're going to move the ball. They're going to shoot threes. They're going to run a lot of pick and rolls, off-ball motions. But their defense, especially in the low post, could be low-key awesome. Hawford and Millsap are two of the most underrated defenders in the game, and we know Splitter is a hell of a rim protector. So I look at that, and that could be a really big part of their success moving forward because they don't have a ton of talent defensively on the perimeter anymore. You know, Dennis Schroeder is is scrappy, but you lose Damari Carroll and Kyle Korver's getting a little bit older. So I really think that's going to be huge for them. Yeah, I think as strange as it is to say about a team that won 60 games last year and went to the Eastern Conference Finals, they might be a little bit underrated in general. I mean, so many people were quick to write them off during the playoffs because they hadn't been there before. They played a style of basketball that might not be conducive to making a championship run. But, I mean, if you look back at what happened during that postseason, everybody got hurt. I mean, Teague's playing on a hurt ankle, Corver's knee, just everything that could have possibly gone wrong did go wrong. And coming back with continuity, which is always a little bit undervalued in the NBA, is going to be huge for them. That's interesting that you would you would mention them as underrated, and it just kind of made me think most times we see a group get to the playoffs for the first time, it's kind of expected that they'll struggle. And then the narrative that follows them is they've had the experience, now they'll now they understand what the playoffs are like, they'll be better. I don't know why this is, but it doesn't seem like that's necessarily followed the Hawks. Um, it's almost like people are expecting a collapse. 
Well, I think that's how important Damari Carroll was to their success, excuse me, especially in the playoffs. And, and that's the main concern because, again, you just look at that perimeter rotation and who's your proven defender at this point. I know Kyle Korver can be underrated in that department, but he's getting older. Tabo Sepalosh is coming back from major surgery. Tim Hardaway Jr. is a horrible defender. Justin Holiday still on improvement. Kent Bazemore sort of in that same boat. And when you lose a guy who was really pivotal to your success on both ends of the floor like Carroll, I think that's big because you know he works. And the other part of this is going to be the Eastern Conference is still a mess, but it's almost a jumbled mess in the sense that the wins could be distributed more evenly this season. Is there going to be as big of a gap between the Hawks and Cavaliers and everybody else next season? Probably not. There's going to be that gap for the Cavaliers, but the Hawks almost seem to, without Carroll, fall into that same boat as the Bulls, the Raptors, and the Wizards to where they're not going to win 10, 15 more games than those teams. And that's probably their real problem. Again, I think this will be a good test of their system and their coaching and the culture they have in place. But I do think it's fair to sort of doubt what's going to happen just because of how much they improved last season and the fact that they really didn't get a lot better over this offseason. But you know, the crazy thing about that is all the teams you mentioned, the Eastern Conference morass, right, is all in competition for the number two seed behind the Cavs. And if you get number two in a conference and you're going to be playing with home court until the conference finals, all it takes is a couple key injuries and then boom, you're in a great position. Well, and I guess to make that quick point, and you just really touched upon this, everyone just knows the Cavaliers are going to have that top seed next season. So you're not going to have a Cavaliers team that's going to fall behind the Hawks, especially after what they did to Atlanta in the Eastern Conference Finals. And that's probably warping perception whether that's justified or not, of next season's Hawks, just because you know, even if they win 60 games, which they probably won't, they're still probably going to finish behind the Cleveland Cavaliers. Yeah, I mean, the Cleveland season sort of looks like the presumptive um, number one right now, for sure. Good word. I like presumptive. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I bring the ruckus on here, for sure. Um, <laughs> is there any chance, you said, you know, Maybe they'll win 60 again. Is there any chance we see them getting there? I mean, me personally, I'm thinking a 5 to 10 win drop at least. And like I said earlier when I was responding to Adam, I can't exactly put my finger on why because, you know, they do have continuity. They they have had the playoff experience. Is Damari Carroll really that big of a of a subtraction? No, I don't think so. But, I mean, I'm on board with the 5 to 10 win drop off as well. I, I think that that's more indicative of how they played last season anyway. You know, they were probably more like a 52 to 55 win team that eked out a couple close victories during January and February. I don't know that there's anything wrong with that. I mean, like Dan said earlier, we're going to see a lot of the victories spread out this season in the East just because there are so many teams clumped together that are going to be fighting each other for every win. So 50 to 55 might still be good enough for number two. Oh, absolutely. Without question, that it would still be good enough. And if you have one of those dice rolls on the wing sort of pan out and you can get that guy who can maybe play small forward and power forward, which is what they really don't have right now. Like, is it Mike Scott? Like, is he going to be that guy who can do that? Because that's what Carroll did is he could play the three in the floor. And you're not going to get that from Justin Holiday and Tim Hardaway Jr. They're not big enough. They're probably not strong enough defensively but if you do hit on one of those acquisitions maybe Tim Hardaway Jr. or Kent Bazemore even though they're a little bit smaller and not as strong maybe they're the next Damari Carroll and and that's the thing to watch because you know what you're going to get essentially from those four other guys in the starting lineup you know 
Dennis Schroeder is going to be energy personified, but you need to hit on at least one of those wings, one of those question marks on the perimeter. And, and then maybe this is a team that still flirts with 55 or more wins. But until you really answer that question, this just looks like a 50-52 win team to me at best right now. It seems like we're focusing on Damari Carroll a lot, so maybe he is more important than I originally um, thought <laughs> we're about to find out. Podcast, but you, ma- you made me think um, there's sort of a new position in the NBA. It's, it's this 6'7", six, 6'8", six, I don't know, call it a combo forward, who plays two or three different positions, defends two or three different positions. Um, and Damari Carroll was that for the Hawks last year. And a lot of the guys we keep talking about is his potential replacement. I think Baysmore six five, Holiday. What is he six six? Um, so it's Hardaway, yeah. So I don't know how big of a difference an inch or two makes, um, but certainly it's going to be harder to defend power forwards and occasionally centers if you're six six as opposed to you know six eight. Um, so do they have that sort of Swiss Army knife still on on the roster? I, I, that I don't know. No, I don't think they will. Uh, I, I think a lot of the Hawks' success this season is going to ride on how convincingly they can they can get other teams to play their style of basketball. And it's going to be a little bit bigger and slower on the defensive end, and it's going to be up-tempo and a lot of ball movement on the offensive end. And, I mean, we saw it work up until the playoffs when they inexplicably f- forgot how to hit any open shot at all, uh, especially against the Wizards for a short stretch. Uh, I, I, I su- if, if they can keep that up, I'm not sure that the Swiss Army knife is ultimately necessary up to a certain point. As soon as they get up in, up in that matchup with the Cavs, that's when it's problematic. Yeah, I, I definitely just think that this roster right now is handicapped against those teams that can make the adjustments and have those Swiss Army knives on the perimeter. And it looks like they're going to play at least a little bit more traditional style of basketball, especially if they plan on sort of playing Splitter and Hoffer together at all. The burden's already being increased on Paul Millsap. They're going to have to rely on him a lot more on the defensive end since you don't have Carroll to defend those stretch fours who can also score off the dribble. And again, that's just going to be the problem for them. They're they're probably going to have to play a lot slower than they did last season. I know they weren't blazing fast, but they played with a, a good amount of pace and used enough possessions. I'm not sure if you see that as much. Maybe Jeff Teague and Dennis Schroeder can really get out in transition and pick their spots, sort of like, you know, I don't want to compare them to this team, but those Miami Heat big three teams where they were never really too fast, but they could always get out and transition if they wanted to. It helps that they have some guys that can do that. But if you're going to play a guy like Splitter extensively, you're not going to be able to run as fast. And so that could even hurt them on the offensive end as well. And especially because Carroll was also a really good passer for the guy in his position. And Tim Hardaway, Justin Holiday, Mike Scott, these guys aren't really great passers. So that would be something to watch as well. You're counting on these guys not really just improving, but expanding their skill set. And that's dangerous territory. It could happen. Again, that's going to be the test of their system. But that's definitely the concern. And I think really that's why we're worrying and focusing so much on Carroll because he did all those things and he was that important. Okay, so somebody just came to mind for me. You talk about um, playing splitter extensively. What do you guys think about Mike Muscala? I absolutely love what he brings to the table, especially during the playoffs. I wanted uh, Budenholzer to play him a lot more throughout the season, and it seemed like that started to happen towards the end of the year when he realized, hey, he can actually hit shots from the perimeter, and Perro is not doing that at all. So I, there, are, there are some serious flaws. He's not a good defender. He's not a rim protector. He's a bit slow. He doesn't pass well. 
But I think that there are a lot of intriguing tools and a lot of upside there. Yeah, I, I, I was kind of in the same boat as you. I um, was very confused last season when he was playing really well off the bench, especially in the playoffs, and Antich kept playing. I don't know if maybe it was an experience thing. A lot of times coaches just value experience for the sake of experience. Um, but he, he just looked like the better option as the stretch big. And the reason I brought him up is, you know, maybe there are all those times where you, you, you can put him in there instead of splitter and run things just a little bit differently. Yeah, I mean, he's he can play that paralantic role, but can he play power forward in today's NBA is the big question for them. Again, he's not going to be able to defend many of the power forwards. I think you can get by on offense because you don't need him to pass too much, and he has that nice inside-out game. But unless you're going to use him at center most of the time to defend those lumbering bigs, and maybe you can get away with that if Hawford wants to defend some power forwards, that's going to be an issue for them. I do think he'll come in handy you know, looking ahead towards the future as that cheaper option if, you know, I don't I know we don't want to talk about this, but if Al Horford leaves, he's not going to be a good replacement for Al Horford, but he's that extra big body who's going to shoot sort of the way that Horford does on offense. Again, he doesn't pass, he doesn't protect the rim like Horford, but he is that extra versatile big body that the Hawks could lose in Horford next summer. It's not ideal, again, but I, I think that's where he could be most valuable for them. And yes, he could see some spot minutes on, on this team next season, I would think. In the interest of full disclosure for our listeners, I'm a Hawks fan, so I don't even want to think about Horford leaving, and I'm going to change the subject and say that, and, and say that I, I think we're selling uh, Paro a little bit short. You know, A lot of what he did was ugly, especially when he couldn't hit threes at all, but he did still force defenders to get out to the perimeter a little bit. They had to respect his pump fake, and he was a surprisingly good and crafty defender. He had this one move where he pulls the table out from somebody trying to post him up and gets a lot of travels called. So... I think that some of the backups are going to have to be able to replicate what he did bring to the table, but there's room for improvement with his minutes. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to, I guess maybe I went a step too far saying he's definitely going to be an upgrade over Antic. And I think one of the biggest things Antic did was he did sort of score off the dribble at some points. He, he surprised you there. He could work in the post a little bit. He's better passer than Muscala is going to be next season, most likely. So maybe that could end up being huge for the Hawks. But it really comes back to maybe they're going to play a little bit more traditional. That's why you have Splitter, because they didn't have that rim protector coming off the bench last season. So I think that's what you really need to expect from them. It's just a more traditional style of basketball, especially on the defensive end and just looking at the pace they're going to play with on the offensive end and in general. And it'll be interesting to see if they can adapt as well to those positionless or floor space heavy teams. Yes, we've kind of danced around it this whole time. You know, mentioned that the Hawks are in the conversation for number two, along with the Wizards, the Raptors, and those other teams. Andy, do they get it? I do. I think they do. And I, like I said, kind of at the start of this, I don't, I don't think Demar Carroll's quite as big a loss um, as maybe some people are selling it, just because. Maybe I'm putting a little too much faith into Budenholzer, into, into what they've done as a developmental team. Um, but I see a lot of the same sort of, sort of um, tools and skill set with a guy like Baysmore. Yes, he's shorter, like I mentioned earlier. But he can replicate a lot of that scrappiness um, that Carroll had. I think they can replicate the shooting with Tim Hardaway. And, of course, Corver will be back. 
Um, they can replicate a little bit of both with Justin Holiday, as Adam has mentioned a couple times. And then I think the other pieces in, in place were every bit as important as Carroll, and those guys are all back. So Teague, Millsap, Corver, Horford. Um, and as you know, we've talked about the East being kind of a jumbled mess and maybe everybody sort of um, you know regressing to a mean or something in that spot after the Cavs. Uh, but I still think they can come out with maybe, you know, 50 to 55 wins. And in that conference, it's hard to see that not being number two. Now, we've sort of been running in circles, I guess, because really the Hawks haven't changed much. And it's just the same questions are going to be plaguing this team. But and I'm going to direct this to Adam first, our resident Hawk expert or apologist, whatever you want to call him. Who's their most likely breakout candidate next season then? Because you're going to have a bunch of guys or at least a couple guys that get opportunities that they didn't get last season. And if we're going to say that their system is good for some of these guys, who's going to be that someone who exceeds expectations by miles? My first instinct is to go with Schroeder, but I'm not entirely sold on him. Uh, I, I loved him early in the year. I wasn't as sold later because he seemed to have trouble sticking to the system and would kind of hijack some possessions and, the ball would stick, and that's not really what the Hawks want. For them to succeed, it has to be one of the wings. It's got to be Holiday, Baysmore, or uh, or Hardaway. And of those three, I think that Hardaway is probably the most likely option. I mean, his biggest faults with the Knicks were that he didn't play defense and he liked he he didn't like to pass at all. You know, when he got the ball, he wanted to shoot. And he's going to a system where he's the new guy in town. They have a very established way of playing. And that involves settling down on the defensive end and doing what you can to keep the ball moving. So if we can take those two two elements out of his game, then he is a gifted shot creator. He can score from all over the court. And that's what the Hawks need from that spot. Uh, same question to you, Bales. Would you really see that could be that breakout candidate for this team? Well, I... <laughs> I'm going to go with the same person as Adam. I didn't know if he was going to go there or not, but that's the first <laughs> name that came to my mind when you said it. And I don't necessarily think he will break out um, statistically. I think he averaged, what, like 11.5 points a game last year, something like that. I think his average might actually go down a little bit just because there's so many options in Atlanta, but I think his efficiency goes way up. Um I think this is this is pretty common coach speak, but you'll hear a lot of times from coaches that if you can convince a guy to give the ball up, he'll get it back. Um, I think that Budenholzer can can instill that in him and show them that ball movement beats you know one on one, and I think his efficiency is definitely going to go up. Yeah, I mean the thing we have to remember with the Hawks is that they are very much the team first organization right now. I mean, four All Stars in the starting lineup. The entire starting lineup was the co-player of the month in January, and if you look at those all-star seasons from, from four of the starters, none of their stats really stood out. You know, they're not going to have that guy who's going to go out and, and get 30 points. In fact, I think they're the only team that didn't have a single player score more than 30 points all season. I didn't so, know that. So, yeah, I didn't know that either. I'm not surprised, but I didn't know that. Yeah, so we don't need Hardaway to improve his, his scoring average. It's all about becoming more of a team player and actually making a positive impact on the court, which is something that he and most of the Knicks last season failed to do. Well, uh, he's my breakout candidate for them, even though you guys didn't ask me. I mean, I just look at what he did on an almost competent team when he was a rookie, and he was lights out from three-point land, and he shot 37% on catch-and-shoot bombs, and that's going to be what's huge in the Hawks' system. They move the ball, and if he can score off the catch and get open shots, 
he's going to be huge to their offensive success. Yeah, he'll have to make that extra pass every now and again, but the Hawks have those dribble penetrators to create space in the perimeter and just run driving kicks all day long. Splitter and Hofford and Millsap can all pass out of the post. Everyone on that team, probably with the exception of Hardaway, can swing the ball around the perimeter. So I really look for him to improve. I always wondered how he would have done on that 2012-2013 Knicks team that really moved the ball well and worked at the three-point line in excellent fashion. So I think he's going to be huge for the Hawks, or at least that's my most likely candidate, especially on that perimeter spot. I'm curious to see how much Mike Budenholzer relies on him, but I think if he gets some burn, I really think he can do well in this environment, in this system. Um, I, I think we're all in agreement, though, that right now, without knowing anything else, this is a, I'm, I'm thinking 50-52 win team. What say you, Afro? Yeah, I think we're right in that realm. I could see them getting up to about 55, you know, maybe getting a little bit lucky and uh, and getting up into the high 50s, but not much more than that. I, they have a pretty established ceiling here, especially without Carroll. Andy? What say you, Bales? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the price is right move and go <laughs> one above Dan. I'm going to say 53. What a jerk. <laughs> well... Since we're sort of running short on time, uh, we do this segment at the end of every podcast. It's going to become a staple. It's called What Burns My Bacon, and it's just where someone's going to rant uninterrupted about anything they want pertaining to the sports world. It happens to be me who's going to kick us off in this inaugural podcast, and I'm going to start with something that's really important that could impact all our lives. You know, This is bigger than the national debt, anything that's going on right now. LeBron. LeBron James in Space Jam 2. He signs with Warner Brothers. He just finishes up a movie with Trainwreck. And everyone's clamoring him to carry Space Jam 2 into existence. He was on Twitter the other night saying it could happen. Don't do it. That first movie was awful. If you are someone who is over the age of nine and has watched it in the last five years, you know how bad it was. If LeBron really wants to build an acting career or even a part-time acting career or this is something he wants to do when his playing career is over don't do space jam 2 pick your movies specifically like you did with train wreck but perhaps with bigger stars who you can compliment a little bit better because that movie really wasn't that great he was good enough though and to see him do space jam 2 will be a travesty in my book and he will have no chance at building a successful acting career because we'll always remember him as that doofy guy who couldn't carry an entire movie on his own through no fault of his own. So please, LeBron, don't do it. Please don't do what will essentially be the sequel to Thunderstruck. I am begging you, please do not do it. So I can't really endorse Dan's views on Space Jam, but I can endorse all of us on Twitter. Uh, you'll want to follow Dan at Dan Favale. That's F-A-V-A-L-E. Then Andy at Andrew D. Bailey and myself at Frommel09. And that's the numeral zero. So this was our first uh, podcast on Hardwood Knox, and we hope you'll come back for the next one. Thanks for listening. Skydiving. This is amazing. Yeah, but you know what else is amazing? An iPhone 6S for just 49 bucks at Metro. Really? Imagine streaming all the way down with that amazing camera. I'm switching. That's smart. You know what else is smart? Parachutes. Woo! Switch to Metro and get an amazing iPhone 6S for only 49 bucks. Metro by T-Mobile. Phone offer requires porting of number not currently active on T-Mobile Network or active on Metro in past 90 days. See store for details and terms and conditions.
Recently, Total Wireless helped Charlie Michelle stage a virtual dance recital for her friends and family. This event was super meaningful to them. Because when you move to Total Wireless, you can get amazing devices on nationwide 5G. And with unlimited plans starting at $25 a month, you could save up to $1,200 a year. Thank you, Total Wireless, for helping me pull this off. Total Wireless. Do amazing. Compatible 5G device required. 5G network in limited areas. Month equals 30 days. Savings claim made when compared to four-line postpaid plans of leading carriers 10-20-20. See terms and conditions at TotalWireless.com.